How much time do you want for your progress? progress. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Clatter Chatter on Things That Matter, the podcast that is intellectually engaging, theologically reflecting, encouraging sociologically, imagining ways in which we can live. Thank you for spending this short amount of time with us. We promise you that you will not regret a moment of it. Shout out to Trevor Smith and V.J. Herbert for commissioning this fantastic music to get our minds going on things eternal, positive, and fulfilling life's purposes. All right, on today, Friday, December the 10th, 2021. Dr. Hayes, are you there? I'm here. All right. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. It's morning and evening and afternoon somewhere. But today (laughs) in the Midwest, we're going to talk about this phenomenon that has certainly struck a chord, not only in the United States and its impact, uh, but also around the world. Today's topic is that of the great resignation. And I want to play this, um, just a clip of this news story that is on Gravitas Plus. Uh, It's a news outlet uh, that I found that has, uh, that just talks about the impact. So listen to this real quick. Hello and welcome to Gravitas Plus. I'm Palki Sharma Upadhyay and I have a question for you. Do you like your job? Does going to work make you happy? Or would you rather be at home with your family or do something else? Do you know people around the world are quitting their jobs? 41% of the world's working population is planning to switch this year. 95% of Americans are thinking of quitting their current jobs this year. Many already have. We are in the middle of the great resignation. The term was coined by Anthony Klotz. He calls the trend a pandemic epiphany. And we'll try to understand it today. Why are people leaving their jobs? Where are they going? And most importantly, should you consider quitting too? If you're an employer, what should you do? We'll discuss all of this. Let's start with some numbers. Microsoft conducted a survey. It found that 41% of employees worldwide are looking to quit their jobs this year. In the United States, 4.3 million people quit their jobs in August this year. 4.3 million people, that's 2.9% of America's working population. 20 million Americans have left their jobs since April. Do the math. In Germany, one-third of the companies are short of skilled workers. Currently, there are at least 400,000 skilled job vacancies. Data collected from the OECD shows that in 38 member countries, at least 20 million workers have not returned to work since the Wuhan virus struck. In India, the attrition rate in the tech sector is up 23%. In Vietnam, many low-paid garment workers have not returned to factories. In the Caribbean, one in six workers aged 18 to 29 has left the workforce. In China, there's a shortage of workers in the tech sector. Welcome to the Great Resignation. The Great Resignation. 
Dr. Yeah. Hayes, uh, and I was reading something, an article in the Atlantic. Uh, I love the Atlantic's writing um, that there is a difference between the Great Resignation is is about. This is a myth. The Great Resignation is the resignation. Uh, it's not about quitting, but it's about resigning. Um. So, what do you think? I don't know what to think other other than to say that people no longer feel that it's in their best interest to spend hours of labor uh, in companies that really lack appreciation for their work and for and have no sense of um Oral commitment to people. Uh, I think that people want to be appreciated and they want to know that they can depend on the principles that are set forth for any company or any entity so that they know how to conduct themselves and can expect a particular outcome. In other words, things are so shifty and shaky now People don't want to deal with the stress level. And they found that they could live a simpler life and not have to make so much money and not have to deal with the tensions on a job where they're not appreciated. That's that's my take on it. So I want to quote correctly Derek Thompson, who's a staff writer on The Atlantic, and I want to quote in particular, um, basically the last phrase of his wonderful article. And he says, the great resignation isn't really about burnout. And it's not really about what most people think of as resignations. To put it concisely as possible, quote, the great resignation is mostly a dynamic free agency period for low income workers switching jobs to make more money, plus a moderate surge of early retirements in a pandemic. So it's it's amazing. So there's there's the both ends. It's about folks realizing that after they've reached a certain age, say between the ages of 60 and and uh, who are on the verge of thinking they have a little more energy to eke out to get to 65 or to eke out even to heaven forbid, make it to 70 to retire early. Um, and, and I, and I say this because my father retired early. He retired in his early sixties. As a matter of fact, I think he was like 61 when he retired from corporate America. And, uh, and that was a big deal. So this, this realizing that you would rather spend more time when you still have some, some good part of your life to live is huge. Mm -hmm. Where, where do we get to the place where we want to dry on the vine? And I say that because my dad retired early at 60, 60, 61, and he said he wanted to spend the rest of his time being a great-grandfather. He wanted to teach his grandchildren how to fish and garden and all that, and he did it for the next 25 to 27 years. Uh, and But then on the other hand, his oldest brother maintained his employment well into his 70s, and my father almost near 80. And my dad was wondering, why won't you allow someone else to make this money? A younger person. Why are you holding on? And I think a lot of times people don't realize that there is life beyond the nine to five or the grind, if you will. 
And, and, and we have to reimagine ways. And I'm talking about those in my age group because I'm 53, just turned 53. And I can't imagine working as hard as I have been working for another 25 years. That makes no sense. I worked hard in my, from the time that I was able to chop cotton and I chopped cotton and I made $35 a day. I didn't chop a whole lot of cotton. I just wanted to have free agency. I needed more money than I was getting for allowance. And I decided, hey, I could go chop cotton three days a week in the summertime and make enough money to buy what I wanted to wear for school. Not that my mother, you know, wanted me to wear the clothes of JCPenney if I had my own money. I was free willing. I could do my own thing. So for many of us who have been working even before the age of 16, by the time you make it to 40 or 50, it's like, oh, I need to be on the decline. Let's, I, I, you know, I don't have as what, what Jesus say. You got to work while it's yet day because there comes a time when you won't be able to. And, and then to be in a career, at some point we, uh, uh, research has shown that between the ages of 50 to 57, you're pretty much at the apex of your career too. That's that you have honed in on the skill set. You have made all sorts of mistakes, and now you're able to really offer great mentoring opportunities for others who are coming along, and um, and so uh, understanding when it's time to um, not be a Tom Brady who keeps playing football. I mean, if you're gonna be the greatest, you're end at the greatest. You can't go beyond great, right? That's what I always tell you. If you're already awesome, you can't go beyond awesome. Yeah. Well, the Bible teaches us that there, there is a season for everything. And uh, I think that it's important for us to know what season of life we're in. And everybody is not always marked by age. Sometimes it's the sense of meaning. Sometimes it's the, uh, the mobility level. Sometimes it's uh, family needs. It just depends on where you are in life, whether or not working a nine to five is for you. And I think the wonderful thing is to have options, to be able to choose uh, where we are in life. And when our season have come to, to an end, to be able to enter into those new seasons with a sense of joy and a, a, a sense of anticipation uh, about doing something different or something new. I think that we can learn a lot from those who have accepted their calling to teach K through 12 educators in particular, who start out fresh out of college for the most part, roughly at the age of 24 uh, 2324 and and so by the time they are 50 or 53 they have already put in 30 years in the educational field at 53 and so educators uh, teachers have often led this uh, epiphany of reinventing themselves not staying in the public school system in such a long, for that long amount of time beyond. Typically, the average educator, and I mean, this seems kind of strange, their longevity in K-12 through education is probably uh, between 30 to 40 years. And that's a long time. That's almost two generations of teaching, right? 
Um, but 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 to retire at 53 is no different than what we're seeing in this great resignation. A teacher can teach 30 years easily and still be vibrant and viable, but finding an, an understanding that he or she may have uh, um, missed opportunities to uh, for innovation and a pedagogy or the science of teaching. Uh, and, and we always have to stay current in our various fields. I remember the last, my favorite ophthalmologist that I had several years ago, uh, the last time I saw him was in 2018, and he was bruised up. And, and he was a contemporary of Emmett Till. As a matter of fact, he was from Chicago. And so the story of Emmett Till really resonated with him. And as every time I would go and see him, and uh, he would always talk about how that impact of Emmett Till's life hit him in so many ways. And I believe that he was also Jewish. And um, and so he would he would often talk about this. But the last time I saw him in 2018, I knew that uh, that 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 something was was a little off. But the man was brilliant. He was bruised up. And uh, I mean, just bruised pretty badly. And and I asked him what happened, and he said he tripped over his cat. And I thought, oh my God, bless his heart. And I'm not saying bless his heart in a southern kind of context where we say bless your heart that kind of way. I really <laughs> meant God bless his heart because I don't know how many more times I'll be able to see him. Shortly after that, he was forced to retire. He just closed his practice, didn't sell his patients' records to any other ophthalmologist. He just left. And I think that pretty much he was probably forced to resign. And that's unfortunate. And I look at Dr. Hayes, I even look at people in Congress maintaining our laws. Oh, yes. I mean, who? I, if my ophthalmologist can't practice, why do we think? People who are octogenarians or close to it can pass laws that affect everybody. It makes no sense. Would you go to a medical doctor that's still practicing that's 80-something years old? No, they wouldn't be practicing, right? But yet we have Congress people, U.S. senators and representatives that are, and, and I love season because I love our elders, um, but at some point we have to realize that our cognitive abilities might not be as quick as what we think in our heads and what is best to not, what, what about mentoring someone else and that impact of having to sit at the seat as in African cultures to be amongst the sages that I can impart this wisdom. It's amazing. But then this whole pandemic epiphany, I like that language. That there are others who are a lot younger, Generation X, uh, uh, not, not my generation, Generation X maybe, gener the millennials uh, are certainly exiting in so many ways. But this is not a new trend. It's just seemed to happening now in a mass. All right, Dr. Hayes. Well, I think now we're, we're paying more attention. Sometimes the, uh, the data is not accumulated uh, in the same way. I think the the COVID uh, pandemic has caused people to, to, to kind of um, be overly interested in numbers and the changes in people's lives. And I think that 
to a degree, yes, uh, the pandemic has caused people to take a different look at life and and to weigh out uh, what's most important. But on the other hand, you know, we, we look at numbers in a different way. I mean, they mean some things to some people and other things to other people. But I think that there are many, many options in life. And whenever people are willing to take a look at the options that they do have available to them and decide on what they really want to do, life is short. And if you spend the vast majority of your life doing things that you don't enjoy, you don't like, or where you're not appreciated, I think uh, you do yourself a disservice. And sometimes we have acculturated our, our children to believe in certain things that aren't necessarily true. Uh, and so people are changing. They're dis discounting some of those old ideas and adages and uh, deciding to live life the way they want to live it. And I think it's a great thing. I think we're at a a good place uh, in the world where people want to be free to be who they are and to do what they enjoy. I mean, life should be like that. Life shouldn't be just hard all the time. And, and so, so that's, that's where I am on it. And so there is a, um, another article that I just want to mention real quick. Well, there are a couple of articles. This one is from the uh, Bloomberg, and it's entitled The Life Flat Meets the Great Resignation, and it's written by Tom Hancock. And I just want to quote this uh, where he says it, it came out on December the 8th. Uh, 2021 and he says today we'll look at the life flat phenomenon labor shortages in the UK and the changing work week in the United Arab Emirates and he starts by saying around the world millions of people are rethinking how they work and live and how to better balance the two prompted in part by the pandemic and he says the great resignation has U.S. workers quitting their jobs in record numbers more than 24 million did so in April to September in 2021, and many are staying out of the labor force. Germany, Japan, and other wealthy nations are seeing shades of the same trend. And so, too, is China. And this is what's interesting. In China, it's called the lie flat movement, and it's a reaction against a system in which a grueling, quote, 996 work schedule from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m., six days a week, 996, hence that's the language, is a common, is a common phenomenon for uh, tech workers. It's unrelenting. The pressure from family, society, even the government to keep climbing the ladder. So there is this mm-hmm. lie-flat phenomenon as a warning that, that Japan's style of stagnation uh, is also uh, meeting this unexpected economic turn. And so if we, if we pay attention to what's happening not only in the United States, but around the world, that this, mm-hmm. this, is, this is huge, in other words. And so uh, for what they for, call a cosmic shift. It's a cosmic <laughs> shift. And what's so interesting is this, that the 1960s-style counterculture movements that, that popped up in the United States and part of Western Europe is also hitting other parts of the world where uh, personal development is more important than material success. Personal development over material success. Mm-hmm, we can't, we mm-hmm. can't, why are we wasting money keeping up with the Joneses, if you will? Now, 
We've talked a lot about this corporate resignation mindset. We're also seeing this resignation amongst the ecclesia in the churches. You want to talk mm-hmm. about that for these next few minutes? Yeah, the church is no different than the world. You know, I, I think some people mistake and think that the church is different, but it's not. The same values and the same pressures, the same um, desire to achieve and advance is present in the church because it is just another organization. And I don't, I don't mean that to say that it's not important, but it is organized to a degree where all of those um, ideas and all of the values from a business perspective have infiltrated the organizational church to the degree where you, you get you get the crap, you get people not wanting other people to advance, you get the this uh, thing against women participating, you get, get the same stuff that's in the world has creeped into the church. And so we have to deal with it. Sometimes people just get tired of it. And they say, no, I don't need this. Just give me Jesus. <laughs> and and that has been the tenet of the article that we shared the other day. I think it was November 30th, 2021, article written mm-hmm. by Melissa Flora Bixler uh, for Sojourners, mm-hmm. where pastors are joining the Great Resignation. And you drew out a quote in the article, and I want to share that, which is so profound. And this quote is, My friends leaving ministry haven't given up on the gospel or the body of Christ but they also believe that the gospel is only good news if it is lived in the lives of those who claim our shared faith. It was never our job as pastors to keep the institutional church from dissolving. We are not spiritual entertainers. We didn't take up this work to compete in the marketplace of meaning making. We don't build institutions. The institutional church is an experiment and like all experiments, it can fail. When it does, we wait and hope to see what good work God is up to next. Close quote. That's profound. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that says it all. And so here so we to realize that you don't have to stay somewhere <laughs> forever. I think that's the great revelation. You don't have to stay somewhere forever, especially if it is not making you happy. That sounds so simple, but it can be just that simple. Amen. It reminds me of this sermon you preached a few Sundays ago. It was at our few few weeks ago at our um, presiding elders uh, planning meeting where you said, just keep it moving. Yeah. And in that movement, we're not stagnant. And and there is great opportunity for reinvention and reimagining ways in which we can be happy. Because I believe God wills for us great joy. Isn't that the third Sunday of Epiphany that's coming up? Joy. Unspeakable <laughs> joy. This joy that I have, the world didn't give it. Hey, and the world can't take it away. Hey, amen. Amen. Do we end on this note, Dr. Hayes? This has been fun I today. think that, that's a wrap. That's a wrap. Okay. Same time next week. Here we go. <laughs> it has been a privilege, a pleasure, and an honor to have you join in with us today. 
remember that everything will be all right until we meet again. Stay safe and well.